So we're in our series on Deuteronomy right now, and we are learning about the character of God, these eternal truths about God that are everlasting, whether we are reading the Old Testament or the New Testament. The thing that changes is the covenant God has with his people and therefore the relationship that we have with him. But the thing that does not change, whether we're reading the Old Testament or the New Testament, is who God is. And so that's what we are learning about. And last week we learned an eternal truth uh, that we see said in the Old Testament and then repeated by Jesus in the New, which is the greatest commandment, to love God with everything that you have. And we learned how to do this, how Moses tells Israel to do this, how it plays out in their life, how it means to teach your kids and disciple, to talk about it when you're at home, to... Uh, talk about it when you're going to the store, when whatever you're hanging up on your walls, when you're going to sleep, when you're waking up in the morning. And this week we learn about another everlasting truth and how to apply it. And that is this. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. And so uh, just like last week we saw Jesus repeat what uh, we read, the greatest commandment, we see the same scripture repeated by Jesus in the New Testament. And it is when the devil comes and tempts him. So Jesus, right before he starts his ministry, he's around 30 years old, he gets led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days on a fast. And so Jesus goes into the desert uh, and he starts this fast. Now, his 40 days are coming to an end. Um, and how many know that's when the devil likes to come and tempt us, when we are tired, when we are hungry, and we are weary, especially if you've ever fasted, and you're on that last day of the fast, and then your work orders a bunch of food for everybody that they never do, ever. Uh, that's happened to me so many times. And so Jesus is on the last day of his fast, and the devil comes, and he tempts him. And one of the temptations that he gives him, he says, you're Jesus. You are all powerful. You're hungry. Turn the stone right there into bread and eat it. And Jesus' reply to this very wisely seeming statement from the devil, from Satan, is you're hungry and you have the power to do this, so do it. Jesus replies and he says this. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. So context tells us something about this scripture that we're going to be learning about today. And this is what context tells us, that in Deuteronomy and how Jesus uses it, that when God tells you to do something, do it. That's what that means. If we are going to boil that down into layman's terms in today's days, when God tells you to do something, do it. But here's the kicker. Here is, here's the fun part of that. Do it even if it leads you into a situation or a life circumstance that doesn't make sense or is hard. Do it. Even if it means that you are going into a 40-day food fast in the desert, do it. And we're going to look at some examples 
of what God means by this. And these are examples that God gives to Israel through Moses as he's preaching to them this last time before they enter into the promised land. And Deuteronomy says the first time that we look at following God, I, I think of the Red Sea. Jesus, God, or God takes Israel and he takes them out of slavery, takes them out of Egypt, and he leads them on a walk. And he says, follow me. And they're finally out. Pharaoh lets them go. And all of this, they're following where God is leading them. And God takes them to a sea, a body of ocean that they can't cross. And behind them is an army coming from Pharaoh saying, you know what? I changed my mind. I want you back or I'm, I'm going to kill you. And so in front of them is the sea and behind them is this army coming to get them. And this doesn't make sense. Why does God lead them into this situation? Why would he lead them to a place that they cannot pass? But what does God constantly say to his people? Follow me. Live from every word that comes out of my mouth. That is how you live. That is how you're supposed to act. That is how you're supposed to walk. This is your life. And so what happens? He says, all right, you follow me, Moses. Go take your staff, put it in the water. I got this. And so Moses takes his staff, he puts it in the water, and what happens, one of the most infamous things in history is the Red Sea part, so that Israel can walk through it, and when the Egyptians try to go through it, it consumes them. The second thing is, now they're in the desert, and they're following God day and night, a fire at night and cloud during the day, and so they're in his footsteps, yet in the desert, they're running out of food. They have no food. There's no places to go hunting. There's no animals that they can kill and that they can eat because there's so many of them and they're in the middle of the desert. Yet what happens? They follow Jesus. They, I keep saying Jesus. They follow God. Jesus, the word, you know, if you want to get technical. They're following God into this situation. It doesn't make sense. They have no food. And so what does God do? He sends manna to them, which is a supernatural food that even to this day, nobody knows what manna is. The Israelites didn't even know what it was back then, it says. Scholars have been trying to figure out. Nobody knows. There's a lot of theories about what manna is. But the honest truth is, is nobody knows what it is. But what happened? Israel follows God. God provides. They're in the desert. They start to get thirsty. God, what are you doing? We're in the desert. There's no water here. Enough for all of us. We're really thirsty. We're all going to die of dehydration. Look at what you've done. You've made us follow you into this crazy circumstance and this hardship. What are you going to do? And what does God do? He says, Moses, you see that rock over there? Go hit it with your staff. So Moses goes and he hits the rock with his staff. And what happens? Water comes out that they can drink from. See, following God or having faith in God is not some mystical power to heal somebody. It's not some mystical power to part a Red Sea. Following God, having faith in him is listening to God, even though the circumstances don't make sense. See, even though natural sense, even though natural circumstances may say this won't work, this won't make sense, faith in God is following him even into hardship, even into the wilderness, even into places that we do not understand. 
See, Jesus' faith was that after 40 days in the wilderness, he was hungry. And he could have rightly said, doctors say, you know, after that amount of time with no food and only liquids, you start to get onto the brink of death. So the devil gave this temptation. He could have easily said, you know what? I literally need this bread to live. But that is not where the Holy Spirit led him. But the thing about God is he will always provide for the circumstances that he leads us through. And so when Jesus rejects this temptation, he decides not to turn the stone into the bread. What happens right after that? It says that the angels came and ministered to him or strengthened him. Right? Moses' faith was listening to God to hit the rock with his staff. Moses didn't have any power. Moses didn't have any magical abilities that would turn a rock into giving water to people. Moses wasn't some supernatural wizard. What Moses did was he simply listened to God. He obeyed him. He lived by his word. Whatever he told him to do, that was what he was going to do. Even though natural circumstances perceiving human wisdom would say, you don't hit a rock with a staff and get water. You're all going to die. Right, before we freak out on Israel, how they always complain and they're always murmuring, they're always attacking God. Well, have you ever been in their circumstances where you're on the brink of death in the desert because God told you to go there? Who would you be complaining to then? But Moses' faith was not mystical power. It was obedience to God in any circumstance. Do we understand this, that trusting in the word of God is all the faith that we need, is all that we need to live. But the thing is, diligently following his word is going to lead you to circumstances that are going to be extremely tough because you will not be able to provide for yourself. There are going to be times where God leads you into places and you think, man, I don't have what it takes to be here. I, I don't have the wherewithal. I don't, I don't have the provision. I don't have whatever I need in this situation. I am coming up empty. And that's okay. Because God says, well, that's why I'm God and you're not. And I told you to go this way and I told you to do this because I knew how I could provide for you and you didn't because you're human and I'm God. So I'm not asking you to provide. I'm not asking you to sustain yourself. I'm not asking you to keep yourself alive. I'm just telling you, trust me because it's my job as long as you follow my word and you do as I say, guess what? You will have life. All right, uh, today... I think of a situation that I encounter a lot is when two people in a relationship are cohabitating with one another. And you talk to them and they know this is against God's word to be sleeping with one another and living with one another like this until we are married. And the answer is always just in life circumstance. You know, I don't have... I don't, I, don't, I don't have the wherewithal to live on my own, so I have to be in this situation right now. 
And naturally, you're right. You don't. But what do you live by? Do you live by the natural circumstances of life? Or do you live by what God has set out for us to walk through and do in our life? And so the answer is we obey God because it's not up to me to see where this goes. It's, uh, the only thing that I do is I obey him and I allow him to take care of the rest. Yeah, I, uh, maybe I, it's going to be hard. Maybe it's a circumstance. It's going to be unpleasant. That's going to be uncomfortable. But I know that I'm following God even into what I am looking at is going to be a trial in my life. But I'm following him no matter what because I know that as I follow him, it is his job and not mine to sustain and to provide. And I think of how we started this church. I went through so many church planning courses. I read so many church planning books. And I, I did all of the things you were supposed to do. And when I got time to start planning, to actually sit down, I had a year before we actually started the church. And I went to pray and I said, all right, God, what's the game plan? What are we going to do? Am I, you know, I going to start telling people about this? Am I going to start inviting, getting a small group going in my house and do all this? And God clearly said this to me. He goes... Nope, you're doing none of that. You're going to do nothing for a year. Okay. And, uh, you know, a month goes by and I go back to God. All right, God, what are we doing? When are we starting? You know, I, am I going to go start looking for funding now? Do, you know, do I start picking where, where we're going to land in a network or a denomination? Do I start telling some people so I can start building a core team? All right, tell me the steps, God. And wait. And you know what I heard? I was, why are you not talking to me right now, God? Why are you being silent? This is, now we're getting like three, four months in. God, why aren't you saying anything? Why are you being silent to me? And God had to correct me. No, I'm talking. You're just not liking what I'm saying. I'm telling you to wait. So actually, I'm not silent. You just don't want to hear what I'm telling you. See, because telling me to do nothing is still telling me to do something. So six months in, I'm starting to sweat it through. God, we're supposed to start in six months. What's happening? This is supposed to, I don't have any money, any people, any, any, no building, nothing. What are we doing? Wait. Finally, seven, eight months in, I was saying, okay, all right, you are talking to me. I'm just, I'm just going to wait. I started to rest. God's peace started to come back into my anxiety-driven prayers. And I realized, God, all right, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I'm just going to do what you tell me. And one morning I wake up. I don't know if God speaks to anybody like this, but he speaks to me like this sometimes. I wake up, and the first thing I just hear God say, today's the day, Justin, you're going to tell everybody you're starting a church. I thought, okay, so I did what any responsible millennial would do. I went on Facebook and I posted, I am starting a church. <laughs> In six weeks from that day, I will never, ever, ever forget this. We got 100% of the funding goal that we needed. We got all the core team that it usually takes a year to build. We got all of the talent and leader, everything that we needed. And we had our launch party in six weeks. 
everything was done. Why? Because God was preparing this way before I was. God's hand was at work way before my hand and my thought processes were at work. And so all I had to do was obey. I didn't, I didn't have amazing faith to make 30 people magically peer at our interest party or to make people magically say yes to planting the church. No, it was God's hand was at work and just had to live by what he was telling me. And he was going to take care of the rest. But then the question comes up, how do you do this? How do you constantly live by the word of God? How do you live a life that is not by bread alone, that is not by the natural things that sustain us, that keep us literally alive like air and water and bread? How is it that you live by God first and foremost before you live by anything else? And that is what chapter eight is about. And it is about this. Remember what God has done. Remember who you're dealing with. Remember who you're talking to. Remember who he is. And Moses begins to tell Israel. He says, when you're struggling to follow him and what he said, remember how he's always come through in the past. See, God has never left his people hanging in the history of this earth and the history of his people. He has always been faithful to his people. There is not one instance where God has failed, where he has backed out of his commitment, where he said, you know, I told you I was going to do this, but actually I couldn't make it on time. So let's reschedule this meeting for next week. I knew that you were expecting me to come through But I'm sorry, I'm not going to make it today. We've had a lot of friends. We've had a lot of family. We've had a lot of people do this to us. And so a lot of times we relate to God like he's a person. But Moses says, no, remember. Remember, he has never failed us. Remember, he is always on time. It may not be our timeliness, but he is Always on time. See, the thing about us, about Israel, and about people, is we have a tendency to forget. We just do. That's just our natural inclination. And usually, with our relationship with God, this tendency happens for some of us a lot of times when we're having bad times in our life or when we're having good times in our life. See, in in bad times like Israel, we may say this. See, God's not here. We say, look, he he doesn't love us. He doesn't love me. Like Israel said, they said, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. God doesn't care about us. God is not with us. We're in the wilderness. We're tired. We're hungry and we're thirsty. God is not here. Look at our circumstance around us. It's pitiful. God doesn't care. Some of us, like Israel, we have a tendency in the bad times to look around us and say, God doesn't want me. God doesn't really love me. God doesn't really care. Some of us in the good times, like Israel, we say, you know what? I don't need God. (laughs) Such a barbaric thought. 
Look at all this wealth we have made with our own hands, with our own power. Look at what we have accumulated. Look at what we have done. I don't need God. I don't need, I don't need him for anything that I have. I have all the security. I have all the happiness. I have all the wealth I could possibly need in my life. Why would I need God? What's the point? So Moses teaches Israel because of this. He says, remember the wilderness and the hard times. He tells Israel, when you were going through that desert, when you had hard times, when you were in the wilderness, what did God do? He fed you manna from the sky. That he literally says, you don't even know what that is. Your fathers don't even know what it is. Scholars don't even know what it is. He fed you a a substance, a heavenly substance to sustain you when you had nothing. So when you're in your hard times and you're alone and you're depressed and you think that you have nobody and that even God has forsaken you, remember what I have done in the wilderness. Remember that you drank water from a rock. You don't even need to say anything more. You drank water from a rock. Nobody's going around and hitting rocks and getting water out of them. But you did. It says, remember that you went through a dangerous desert. It had scorpions. Had these dangerous animals. It is not a safe place to be, but you were led day and night by the presence of God safely through the dangerous wilderness. Remember that. And so when you are tempted to say in bad times, God does not care, I'm not sure if I can trust Him, remember all the ways that He has sustained you. Now, when temptation comes and you want to think that he doesn't care about you because you look at your circumstance and you can't understand what you're going through, remember all the ways that he was present with you, even in the hardships. That he has brought you through all the hard places and you are intact and you are whole and he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And then Moses says, and when you grow wealthy... You will be tempted to live in excess. You will look around and you will say, look at what I have done. This is the work of my hand and not the work of the Father. You will be tempted to say, I do not need God. I have everything that I need. And that Moses says, will lead you to idol worship, which will lead you to sure destruction, to bow down to other things before you bow down to God. And so in those times, Moses says, remember this. Remember that you were given cities that you did not build. You were given wells that you did not dig. And you were given vineyards that you did not plant. And so when you are wealthy, when you have all the things that you need, remember that all good things did not come from you, but they came from your Father above who loves you. 
And in that time, it is a time to remember the humility that God has given you in the wilderness. That you cannot live without Him. That actually by yourself you are frail and that you are weak. And that the only way that you can live is by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Because if you forget, you will be led to bow down to other things. You will bow down to money. You will bow down to entertainment. You will begin to bow down to these other idols in the land that are tempting, that are enticing, that give you excess. And when you start to bow down to idolatry and live with idols in your life, it will surely lead you to destruction. We're not talking about a hardship. We're not talking about a wilderness experience. We are talking about destruction. It will lead to the surety of perishing. So, we remember. We remember God. Whether we are having the time of our life or we are looking around and we are saying, surely God has forgotten me. And if you read scripture, you realize you are not the first person to think that. But time and time again, everyone who has thought that was proven to be wrong. Even if it's as practical as Jesus in the desert, 40 days, starving, fasting, and just wanting a piece of bread. What? What? The thing that everybody here would have agreed on if somebody came to us, if they left out that one piece that God told me to do this, that everybody would have agreed, yeah, bro, you should eat some bread. This is not going to go well with you. What? Jesus says, no. Spirit led me here and you will not tempt me. Because I live not by bread alone. But first and foremost, I live out of every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. See, God is still saying that to us today. What we have to come to grips with is this, is... I don't care what the world says. God is saying, I don't care what your body is telling you. It doesn't matter what your eyes see or what circumstance says about your life. God is saying, my word is your life giver, first and foremost. My lips speak life over you. And when I command you to do something, that means that you do it. And when you do it, it leads you to life everlasting. And me and you today, we can live from a place of remembrance. Recounting the mighty deeds of God and what he's done in your life. 
You will never lack faith to follow where he calls you to go. See, for Israel, their salvation was from slavery in Egypt. Today, we always remember our salvation comes from Christ, from our slavery to sin. See, that if I'm ever wondering whether I'm in a good place or I'm in a bad place, all I have to do is remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave. That is why as a church that we take communion because this act of remembrance is still important as the people of God because it reminds us who we live by, where we draw life from, where eternity is balanced in our life. That it doesn't happen by my own works. It doesn't happen by my own deeds. It doesn't happen whether I'm feeling good or I'm feeling bad. It happens through everything that he tells us, through everything that he commands us. That is where life happens. Abundant life that rivers of living water flow from. That when we drink from his wells that we will never thirst again. That a lot of times like Israel, they wanted to go back to Egypt to the days of slavery. Sometimes we, when we forget about what he has done, when we forget about the ways that he has freed us, we say the same thing. Man, I miss the days when I would do this on the weekends or I'd go out in this time or when I talk to this person or I remember the days and how it felt so good to do this or to do that. We are looking back on our days of slavery and we are forgetting what God did in us. We are forgetting his sacrifice. In our hard times, we are saying, God, you don't love me. You don't care about me. This feeling that I'm I'm going through, these circumstances, my job is not going right, my family is mad at me, my friends, they're leaving me. God, I know that I've done too much, that you don't care about me, you have left me, but we are forgetting that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life and shall not perish. We are forgetting that on the cross he covered all of our sins. And nothing can separate us from the love of God, no height, nor depth, nothing. We are forgetting what Jesus has done. And when we Sometimes when we make it, man, I got that job now. God answered my prayer. Or I got that wifey. I got that hubby. God answered my prayer. I got that boo-boo now. (laughs) God answered my prayer. And then what happens? All that time we spent with God trying to get to that place, then we say, forget it. Now I got what I want. I don't need you anymore. And God is saying you will surely be led into idolatry. Now you put that relationship before me in your life. Now you put that job before me in your life. Now you put that money, that entertainment before me in your life. And you've forgotten me in your wealth. And you said, now I have the power to create wealth. Where God says, remember that I have the power and I have given you all that you have. 
Because when we forget him, it will surely lead to idolatry, which will surely lead us to destruction. And we become like the lepers in the Bible where Jesus heals 10 of lepers. And out of all 10, only one comes back to say thank you. Because they got what they needed from him. And they moved on. And that scares me. And I pray, God, I don't ever want to get too big for you in my own head. God, I never want to get everything that I need that I forget where I came from and what you did in my life. God, I don't want to be in a place where I look around you and I feel all right. That I look in my circumstances, in my life, in my house, in my family, and I think I got it all together. And I forget the pieces that you put together to have what I have today. So, Father, I'm grateful. And I thank you for your sacrifice. And I remember, I don't care if I have everything I have or if he takes it away, he can give and he can take. And that does not matter. It does not circumstantially change my relationship with him. All that matters is that I have him. And that is what we do not ever forget as his people. And so I encourage you today, go home. And write, what has God done in your life? If you have followed him for a week or you followed him for 40 years, he has done things in your life that you can point to and say, that was God. I can point to things that happened just this week. But we need to remember that sometimes when, tough, when, when things get tough, we need something to read and remember what God has done in our life. And sometimes when we're feeling too big, we're feeling too popular, we're feeling too good about it, we're feeling ourselves way too much. The selfie explosion has happened way too much in our life. Sometimes we need to remember what God has done and where we've come from and that we thank him for all that we have. And so pray with me. God, help us. Help us, God, to live by your word and nothing else. Lord, that we would live by what you have commanded us. Lord, and when we're tempted to look to the left or to the right, that we would remember, Lord, what you have done and who you are and who we're dealing with. God, and that we would continue to look straight at you, that our gaze would not waver, Lord, that our obedience would not waver, Father, but Lord, that we would obey you in the tough times and in the good times, Lord, when we have little and when we have excess, Father. Lord, that we would remember what you've done and who you are. Help us to live in a state of thankfulness, of praise, remembering all the great things that you have done, not only for me, but for the people before me, for generations, for thousands of years, how you have cared for your people. Father, that it would cause me to follow you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.